Welcome to Providence Road. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here. We are really, really glad that you're here this morning worshiping with us. Um, a couple of uh, quick announcements before we get started. First off, if you're a guest with us, uh, welcome. Welcome to Providence Road. And there are um, some guest cards, welcome cards underneath the seat. And so if you uh, are new with us and you would like more information about the church, please put your email on there and your name. And there's a part at the bottom there you can tear off. And you can just drop those in the offering uh, boxes that are attached to the wall near each of these three exits. And um, if you've uh, been around a while and you're a member and you're still trying to get used to where the offering box is here at this new facility, um, like I said, they are at the three um, exits. So two over here and one over here. Um, so if you led, feel led to give, that is where um, we encourage you uh, to give. Um, over there. And also, one quick note on kind of the communication piece, and um, if you have any questions, um, there's a, uh, um, a, right outside these double doors out in the foyer, um, it's our Connect uh, station for right now, and so if you have any questions, um, today Blake will be um, back there after the service to answer any questions you may have about the church. And college students, one specific note for you, um, we're trying to um, think of uh, new and better ways to communicate uh, with you all, and there, there's a lot going on with college, and we want you guys to know about it. And so um, after the service, Blake will be back there at the, the Connect desk, and um, he's going to try to get all of you guys on the same group meet. So you can start to just get, we can start pushing communication to you about things that are happening. Okay, we realize that that is probably uh, um, the best way to communicate with you guys. So Blake will handle all of that. So just go to him um, outside these double doors at the end of um, the service, and he will help you. Um, get connected into that. Um, two more announcements. First, uh, today, immediately, I'm not sure to say immediately, that's when we used to do it. At five o'clock today, uh, we have uh, the first uh, week of the membership class. So we have a few people signed up right now, but it's not too late to sign up. And I really want to encourage you, um, it's real, membership is really, really important to us. So if you're here at Providence Road and you're even leaning towards making Providence Road uh, where you call home, especially if you're a college student. Don't minimize membership, okay? Today, from 5 to 7, um, there'll be some light snacks provided there. Um, but if, if, uh, if you want to come to that, uh, we need you to sign up. And so there will be a computer open at the Connect desk after the service to sign up uh, to come to membership class. We really, it's important for us to have numbers so we know how many copies to make and all those things. Um, but it's not too late to sign up. So if you've even thought about membership, please, please come um, to the class today. And there's also another class next week. So it's like part one and part um, two to that. And then the last uh, announcement, um, this is exciting. Okay, so we are having, um, let's kind of make this our grand opening weekend. Okay, it's March 9th is Art Walk, second Friday of the month. Every, Norman, uh, every uh, month in Norman, um, Norman hosts this, and this will be our first kind of art walk to kind of be open to the public in our new facility. And so we want this to be a big weekend. And, and then the next morning, on Saturday morning, the 10th, we're having um, a pancake party. We're just going to make a bunch of pancakes out in the parking lot and give away pancakes. So we want um, this isn't necessarily for us. This is for the community. So if you want to invite people, you have friends, you have people that do business or office in this area, um, we want to just say... Um, Tell kind of Norman and especially downtown that we are glad to be here. And so our role in this as Providence Road people is to just show up, be available, 
uh, meet people you don't recognize, introduce yourself to people, and just um, be very hospitable because it's one of our values. We want to be down here to be hospitable to Norman. And so uh, Friday night, March 9th, Saturday morning, March 10th, and then obviously uh, Sunday morning, March 11th. So this is going to be our grand opening weekend. So you'll get much more information about this in the next couple of weeks, but mark it on your calendars and plan on being a part of it. Plan on being a part of it. So here, let me dig in, uh, jump into the text here. Genesis 1. We're going to one verse today. Well, I'm going to read two verses, but primarily we're going to look at one verse. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let's listen to 26. That's what's on the screen. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the birds of the sea, over dominion over the fish of that sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let's pray for God's word. Father, I, I, I thank you for this opportunity. As always, um, we are now, we are putting yourself under your word. We believe that you've revealed yourself to us through your word. Um, and so now as we look at this, really this one verse and everything that is tied up in this verse and all the, 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 the theology and the topics and the implications that this one verse has for our lives. I pray that you would change our, our minds and you would change our hearts and you would change the way we live. And as we hear um, the words of Genesis 1.26, we would truly believe that these are your words. That you're communicating to us through your spirit this morning. And I pray that you would make our hearts and our minds uh, receptive to the truth this morning, that we would be honest with ourselves, we wouldn't be dismissive of, it, of anything your spirit brings to mind, their spirit brings uh, to, to the forefront of your thoughts uh, regarding this text this morning. We love you, and we are, we're so thankful for, for this time and for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think some of the most important questions we can ask ourselves our human beings are these that follow. Why are you the way you are? Why were you made? Do we create the purpose for our lives or are we given it? Do you have to work and craft this identity for yourself and this purpose or are you given an identity and purpose? Why do I do the things I do? Why can I not stop having these feelings that I wish I didn't have? And all of these questions are really aimed at our identity. This thing that deep inside of us, um, sometimes we don't understand it, sometimes we have a hard time reflecting on it, but these questions are aimed at our identity and they are important questions to ask. And we tend to, to take on identities as we live this life for ourselves and those begin to define us. Or if we're having trouble finding an identity, we just take the things that happen to us, our circumstances, the hand we've been dealt, and then that becomes our identity. So we need to be aware of, I think, how we operate as humans. Some of these examples may include, these are identity statements that some of us, maybe many of us, take on. 
I'm a person that has to be right all the time in my marriage. Therefore, I'm constantly defensive to my spouse. Anytime my spouse says something critical, I get defensive because my identity is a husband or wife that is right. It's an example of an identity. Maybe your identity is one that has to have everything under control, therefore you like to play God. You want everything in your life to be under control, therefore there's this, always this low level of anxiety that plagues you. Or maybe even in certain seasons, panic. Because you're one that likes to have control over everything. Maybe it's, I want to appear attractive to a certain person or a group of people. I want to be accepted by them. Therefore, you are constantly worried about your appearance. Maybe the, the stuff you buy, the stuff you own. And you're always wondering how that person or people are viewing you. It's an identity. Or maybe you're the type of person that just can't, find an identity and you're in desperation and when desperation sets in and we can't find an identity some have um, decided just to become a person filled with hate pick up a gun and go into a school and kill 17 people these questions of identity matter they matter, and they matter to all of us in different ways and to different degrees. I think we have this longing that's been given to us for meaning and for identity and for purpose. This is what good stories and movies are made about. When main characters struggle with who they are, what they're becoming, what their overall purpose is in life. This is, what, this is the, the, the movies and the stories that really draw us in. And I think if we were all to be honest right now with ourselves, all of us would know, every single one of us in this room know that there's something not quite right with us, and there's something not quite right in the world. Those two things, I think, are the truth for all of us. So where's the hope? Like, where can we look to? Where's the anchor? Where's the thing that's going to ground us and speak identity into us and speak purpose in us. Where's that hope? And I hope by looking at the story, continuing to look at the story of creation, I hope and I pray that we will be given hope when we go back to the beginning of how we were created and why we were, why we were created. So we're continuing on in our series of Genesis, and we're really spending a lot of time in Genesis 1 and 2. We're going to stay there this morning. We're going to continue uh, to be there for the next couple of weeks because we believe that um, these two chapters are really unfold all of creation and how everything began. And a lot of topics and issues and things we think about and things that are addressed later on in the Bible come from these two chapters. That's why we're only looking at one verse really today. We're going to look at many other verses in Scripture, but our primary text is Genesis 1, verse 26. And really just the beginning of that text. So let's look at Genesis 1, 26. Like I said, we're just focusing really on the first, um, really, sentence. Let's read the first sentence here. Then God said, God's speaking here, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
stop there. So we have some, we, we, we have some grammar work to do here. Something interesting is happening. In that first sentence, there are three pronouns, and they are plural. So when we think, we know that we've established that God is creating here, right? But why the plural pronoun? Like, why say us and our and our in these situations? And those of you who know the Bible and have been at church in any length of time, you know this is probably referring to the Trinity in some way. Referring to the Trinity. But if we just look at this verse, remember, we're only 26 verses into the scriptures. And so when we just look at this verse, we need to say, can, can we tell enough just from this verse about the Trinity to build out the, this, this truth and this doctrine of the Trinity? And the answer is really no. But the great thing about it, one of the, one of the first rules of interpreting the Bible is you interpretate one text or a passage in light of the rest of the Bible. And if we look from Genesis through the rest of Revelation, there, is, there are plenty of places we can go to to get a fairly clear, um, at least teaching on the Trinity and what the Trinity is. For example, you have John 1, verses 1 and 2. You can kind of hear the echoes of Genesis 1 here. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Word there in English Bibles will be capitalized because it is referring to Jesus. A few verses later, it actually says that this Word is referring to Jesus. It says, and the Word was with God in the beginning, and the word was God in the beginning, and he was in the beginning with God. Okay, so even John here at the beginning of this gospel lays out an element of the Trinity. John 17, verse 24, Jesus here talking to God, says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because, here it is, you love me before the foundation of the world. Okay, so clear from these passages that Jesus was there before the foundation of the world. What about the Holy Spirit? You remember a few weeks ago, Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, third person of the Trinity there, was hovering over the face of the water. So before anything was created, Anything, anything we looked at the previous few weeks, you had God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the triune God existing. And, th and this is where it becomes a little bit of a mystery. All three are persons. The Holy Spirit is a person. Each person is fully God, and yet there is only one God. And if you're trying to get your minds around that, good luck. That's the mystery of the Trinity. Now, for hundreds of years, the church has had a strong doctrine of the Trinity, and that's because the church has looked at the rest of Scripture and kind of come up to the rest of Scripture and realized that there's this, there's this Trinity talked about all throughout the Scripture. But there yet, there's still mystery surrounding it. And we could spend the rest of our time, and we're not trying to untie the, the intellectual knots and, 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 and landmines that we hit when we try to think about how the Trinity works. So we're not going to spend any time talking about how it actually works. We're going to look at, spend some time talking about what the Bible has to say about the Trinity. But I've heard a lot of uh, um, illustrations and, and, and metaphors about, oh, the Trinity is like this. And really all of those things are nice, but they all will fall short of what the Bible teaches on the Trinity. This is one of those truths and doctrines that we have to be okay with some mystery. 
we have to be okay with us not fully understanding how it works, how the Trinity works together. But we do have a lot of evidence throughout all the scripture of um, talking about different parts of the Trinity and how they relate to each other. And so we see this from beginning to end, and we can make a clear um, kind of doctrinal position on the Trinity. We don't, theologians didn't just pull this out of midair and say the Trinity is something nice we will have in our doctrine. Now you can see it from Genesis to Revelation. So God is three persons. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. So how can all three persons be God? Colossians 1, 15 through 16 begins to address it. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Tell it, Jesus is involved here in creation. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Talking about Jesus. Hebrews 1.3, talking about Jesus again. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature the exact imprint of his nature so when you see jesus you see god jesus tells us that like if you've seen me in the flesh you've seen god the father okay and then if you look a little in matthew 28 19 this is the great commission passage however the trinity's here go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are other scriptures we can go to, but this one's a, a, a clear short one of, 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 of saying that they're all, they're all equal here. You're baptized into all of them. This is the Trinity. Okay? There's, some, there's some mutual respect and authority here in this statement. You're baptized into all three. Now, I think the last question that we can try to attempt to answer, um, how do... How, how do all three make one God? Or how is God still one in the midst of all of this? Well, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, this is probably, arguably, the most uh, popular, famous verse in all of the Old Testament. Verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. Um, he says, You shall love the Lord with, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. We know that verse. But before that, he says, the Lord is one. So there's teaching in the scriptures that said, says God is one, yet there are three persons, and they are all fully God. That is, to sum up, the doctrine of the Trinity. This is really important because, again, back to Genesis 1.26, he says, let us make man in our image, our likeness. So to fully understand who we are, we need to know that when we say God created us, it's not just this ethereal God and we don't really know what to think. No, it's a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Okay? That, that is who made us. Okay? So we need to remember that when we, when we start talking about what it means to be created in God's image. Now, uh, the scriptures use these terms image and likeness, I think, to, to kind of uh, get at the idea, that the same idea, that we're created to look like God in some ways. And I think the best um, example of this is, is a mirror. If I'm looking at a mirror, that mirror is giving an exact replication of me, like like exact image. That, it, that mirror images me really, really well when I stand in front of it. But that image in the mirror is not 
It's not me, materially. Like, if you go up to that mirror and tap on it, you're not going to feel skin or clothing. It's going to be glass. But it looks exactly like me. Okay, this is, this is what it means after God's image and likeness. We have characteristics that God has. We can love. We can be peacemakers. We can be holy, have holy and righteous anger. These are characteristics of God that he has given to us as his image bearers. But there are also characteristics of God like his sovereignty and power that we, we do not have. So we are not, we, are, we have some characteristics of God, but we are not God or little God. It's important to, to know when we're thinking about image of God. Now, what this means is, is that to be created in the image of God is that every human being, born and unborn, has value, has an identity that's been given to them by God. And we're different than the rest of creation because we're made in his image and his likeness. And we can marvel at the beauty, and we do, of, of other created things. We take pictures in front of different things, and, and we uh, post things of, of, of vacations we've been to, and it's great to marvel at those things. God wants us to, but those things pale in comparison to human beings to male and female who are made in God's image. And the primary reason isn't something we do, something we have. The primary reason we are different is because God says we're different. God didn't create the trees in his image and his likeness, or the mountains, or the ocean, or animals. Okay, Those are different levels of creation. We are the apex of his creation as, as, as male and female. We are different. It doesn't matter what you've done or who you are or who even you think you are. That doesn't determine your identity. God gives you an identity when he makes you. Because he, your, our creation comes out of his likeness, out of his image. Which there means there's a deep significance to all of us. We have worth and value because we are an image bearer, because we are a human being. We have to remember that this is a triune God that, has, that we are imaging, that we're thinking about. So it's interesting that if we're made in his image, what I've always thought about is, well, then why aren't we divided in three? You know, like if we're made in his image and his likeness and there's a triune God, why don't I have some level of trinity inside of me? And once again, that, that's a mystery. But I do think we should think about like this, this relationship that was happening before all eternity. Like God wasn't created. God just is. He's always been, and he's been in relationship through the Trinity. But God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have been in relationship for all eternity. God's perfection, his love, his peace, his life, the thing that helps him give life, his power. All of those things experienced between three equal members of the Trinity for, for all eternity. We need to allow our minds to go there when we think about being created in the image of God. Now, why did he create? He wasn't lonely. He wasn't lacking. God didn't need buddies. 
at that time. Like he, he doesn't need those things. He's perfect, and he had fellowship and communion with, through the three persons of the Trinity. So the question is, why did he create? Why did he create humans? I think the answer when we look at the rest of Scripture is that, this, that, we are cre- that our creation is an overflow of who he is. This overflow of love and, and wanting to create life and wanting, to, that, wanting his character and this love and this peace to extend throughout the whole earth which he had created. He wanted to fill the earth with fellowship and communion and love and peace and creating a world that images him. We'll talk more about this next week when, when it says be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the rest of creation. That's what he's doing. He's extending his character. He's extending his being throughout all of creation. And it begins by creating man and woman in his image. We're the crowning jewel of his creation. Go back to John 17. We read a verse from this passage earlier, but... This is a great passage for understanding the Trinity. So if you're going to go one place to really study and dig in to the, to the Trinity, um, this is one of those places you want to go. John 17, 22 through 26. This is Jesus talking towards the end of his, of his ministry on earth, and he's talking to God in prayer about his followers. Okay? To God about his followers. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one as, as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. In this unity in the Trinity, you're hearing it here. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. There's that word love again. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me, that word again, loved me, before the foundation of the world. Before anything was made, God was loving Jesus. God the Father was loving Jesus. Verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, think of the O righteous Father. There's this adoration, there's this worship that Jesus has for the Father. I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, here it is again, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Okay, it's just this really, really clear relationship between Jesus and the Father. And I think you kind of get a peek into, a window into maybe what it was like in the Trinity before, uh, before all of creation. And then Romans 5, 5, I think Paul is, is, is kind of taking that and, and in this teaching and extending it a little further, he says in Romans 5, 5, Paul says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love, there's that word again, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So the Holy Spirit acts like this vehicle, he's a person, but acts like this vehicle, this, this, this way that we experience the love, peace, and mercy of God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. We know that. So humanity, male men and women, were brought into existence out of a loving communal relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm just wondering what would change in our lives if we allowed ourselves to try to understand this. I know it takes some 
some, some mental energy to kind of go there, but to try to understand this and then try to allow the picture of what was happening to, to, to work down deep to where it starts affecting our identity. It starts to be able to affect the questions like, who am I? What's my purpose here? And those types of things. Because with creation also becomes purpose. Something, again, we'll get into next week. A.W. Tozer, author, says this. He says, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when we think about our identity, we need to think about the Trinity. When you think about God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit existing as one, our minds should go there when we think about ourselves because Tozer's right according to the Scripture. What do we think about when we think about God? It's going to influence us. It has great impact on who we are. And just think of this, the outpouring and the overflow of this love and fellowship that the Trinity had. And we need to let our minds go there. It's not surprising that a God of love would want to share this love and this, allow this love to overflow to the rest of creation. And this is why we look at the creation, the garden in Genesis 1 and 2, and, and it's great. It's beautiful. Like we would all, if we were there, we would say this is the way it's supposed to be. Like this is it. It's perfect. No pain. No violence, there's no hate, no selfishness, no conflict. Just image bearers of God perfectly loving the creator that created us and spending time in communion with the Trinity. Like, my, my gosh, like, I want that so bad. And the good news, we're heading there again. It'll all get tied up into a new heavens and a new earth and the the original intent will be re-established. We'll get into that in a few weeks as well. But this, I want to go back to our identity problem that I mentioned at the beginning. These questions, these, these, these identities we take on or feel like we, ha- what we have based off of life and the circumstances given to us. I think, to put it simply, I think the vertical, our, our vertical relationship with God affects and influences our horizontal relationships, how we live on this earth. So, so sometimes we can just get in this, this rhythm and routine of all that exists is the horizontal. We just get up and we go. And it's horizontal this and horizontal that and relationships and work and school and, and marriage and parenting and all of these things. But how often do we allow the vertical, our relationship with God, being created in his image, how often do we stop and allow that to actually change the way we live? change what we think about ourselves. Another way you can say this is how we act and how we behave reveals a lot about what we think about God. Like what, how we act and how we behave reveals a lot what we think about God. And there's a lot of unbelief inside of us. If you're, having struggle, if you're struggling with something and something's really hard on you right now, you're going through some things, if I, if I could have enough time with you I could ask enough, I think, questions to get down deep enough where there's probably an unbelief about who God is somewhere at the root of a lot of those issues. Unbelief in his character, unbelief in his love, unbelief in your identity, unbelief in his grace and his mercy found in Jesus. Like, 
if you dig deep enough, there is unbelief there that's driving a lot of these, these false identities that we give ourselves. It's there. So some examples of this. I want us to really understand this and get this. I want to take this, this, this big Trinity concept and creation and bring this down to the day in and day out. Those of you on social media, a lot of us, like how often are, are, is our freedom and joy tied to the likes or the kind of comments we get? Like, does that change you? Be honest with yourself. Like, will you leave here and, and, and look at how many likes and views or comments you got from a post you made last night? And, 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 and does that affect your value? Does it affect, like, how, how much you feel uh, worthy? Those dopamine hits that you get when something, somebody likes your thing. Like that, that's, that's, that shapes us. That influences us. That causes us to have a different identity than one made in the image of God. What if you're the type of person who uh, thinks of yourself as someone who loves other people well, but really you only love people as long as they behave the way you want them to behave and they look the way you want them to look? Like, what does that reveal about who you think God is? God is someone who is, is stingy with his love. God is someone who is, who is filled with hate. And God is someone who is selfish. That's how your identity is reflecting what you think about God. And we know God's not like that. Or you're the type of person who says, I'm going to believe and act and feel however I want to, and there's nobody in this world that can tell me to, to behave and act and feel in a certain way. Like, I'm my own person. I create my own way, and nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, the creator has created you, and therefore he gets to determine what is going to bring you life and flourishing and meaning, and he has in the Scripture. So we're going to allow the authority of God to, to show you what the good life is, or are you going to be the type of person who just says, I got this, and I don't need any help, and I don't need rules, and I don't need um, truth. Like, to boil this down, this is, what it comes down to is this is not about us. It's not about you. It's primarily about God who created us. And then out of that, it's secondarily about other people. Those horizontal relationships. Because as God allowed his love to spill over into creation and creating us we should allow the love that we've been shown in christ in god to spill over into our horizontal relationship i mean isn't that the great commandment love god and love others and that's it starts to make sense once we realize the vertical relationship the identity that we have now as image bearers affects that Revelation 4.11, I think is an interesting, and this is how worship is tied to this. It says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor, and I think he's talking about the Trinity here, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and they were created. So, this is pure, they, they're purely worshiping because of his creating them. Like, it's just creation here. It's not talking about anything else, but because he's the creator, they're worshiping him. So that, that, and so do we worship him by how we were created in his image? 
And this, is, this has been challenging for me this week because I think about my own life. When I wake up in the morning, I feel like I am so controlled and focused on what is here in front of me, what is imminent, like what is what I can see and what I'm affected by in this life. And it really, once I started thinking about it, it, it affects my joy, it affects my peace, it affects my, my temper, it affects how defensive I get and how quick-tempered I am when somebody wants to criticize me. And I think a lot of that is I just live and wake up and operate automatically in the horizontal. And we need to, to stop and, and, and spend some time thinking about how we, how we were created and, and, and the purpose and the design and the love and the peace and the communion between the Trinity. Like, all those things were there when he created me. And that should affect the way I operate on the day-to-day. But that's, that's hard. That takes us kind of pulling out of our lives and our, and our pace and actually allowing something a little deeper to, to, to impact us. So let this sink in. To just realize that there's more to life than what we do in a normal day. But I think we're all in this rat race of life. And Blake talked a lot about that last week. And as I think about how I'm made and my purpose in creation, a lot of those things begin to lose their grip on me. I begin to have space to experience joy and peace. So what we know and believe about God changes the way we live. Especially in light of how we were created. It does and can change everything. But I wish it was this easy, right? Like you wish that once you understand the Trinity a little bit better, which that's never going to happen, maybe a little bit better, but you never understand it fully. Like once I get this down, then all these hard questions are going to go away. Like I'm just going to operate and I'm going to image and reflect God perfectly now that I've heard a little bit about Trinity in the image of God. And the answer is no. We will never, ever image him perfectly on this earth. And we haven't come to Genesis chapter 3 yet. When we get to Genesis chapter 3, we'll see the, the fall. Sin comes into the world, and we are broken image bearers in a broken earth. And those two things makes they do not create um, imaging God. There's pockets of that. There are places where that's happening. But in totality, that will not happen. So what do we do? What do we do when we fail to image God? Well, he sent Jesus, the exact representation of him. God had to send a God, Jesus, to us to to live a perfect life, to die a death that we deserve to die, and to come back from the dead, rise again, and then go back to the Father, back in communion with the Father, to sit on the throne. To die for undeserving sinners like you and I. This was this is the gospel. Because we can't image him perfectly without help, without Jesus. And so the first step we need to do is humbly confess that we don't image him. We are filled with hate. I, we are worried about our image more than we're worried about God. I am defensive. I am... Um, speak harshly to my wife because I'm defensive and I want to justify myself and I want to be right all the time. Like that's me and we need to humble and humbly admit that we need grace. We need something else to help us. And through faith and belief, we can be reconciled to God in relationship. 
And the cool thing about this is that now, instead of we're trying to be conformed to just being an image bearer of God, then we're told now that we are being conformed into the image of his son. And the spirit, the third person of the Trinity, actually dwells inside of us to help us be conformed into the image of his son. So we have the grace and the mercy to be reconciled back to God in relationship. And now once we're back in relationship, we are being conformed into the image of his son. So now we can ask ourselves the questions, if you're a follower of Jesus, how am I imaging the son? Do I look like Jesus? We've been given the exact representation of God. How am I doing imaging? And one of the primary ways we do this, there's a lot of ways, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to focus on a couple here. Um, It causes us to be a people who fight on behalf of other people who need help, who need just other image bearers who need people in their corner to fight for them. Why? Because God designed it that way. We're all image bearers, and our love should should overflow to other people. We want other people, other human beings to flourish. We want them to experience all that God has for them. This means being involved in the fight against racism, protecting the unborn, caring for orphans and widows and refugees, fighting against domestic violence, sexual harassment. This is being an image bearer. And it's a really good litmus test of how are we imaging Jesus? Because Jesus would fight on behalf of the people who don't have a voice or don't have the position to fight. As the church, we need to be about fighting on behalf of injustice. And this also goes down into missional communities, because coming in here an hour and a half every week and talking about this stuff is not enough. You have to have other brothers and sisters alongside of you that will remind you and remember, hey, remember the vertical? And what about the implications of the vertical? It's to fight. It's to be peacemakers, to fight for those who don't have a voice. And I get lazy. I get off focus. I become focused on myself. And we need other brothers and sisters that, that bring to mind, hey, remember, remember the grace that God's shown us? And remember the grace and, and mercy we should extend others? We need each other to do this, which is why we are always encouraging you all to get into a missional community. Smaller group of people, we get to know one another better and remind each other of God's grace, but also remind each other of the implications of God's grace, which is means to be reconcilers and ambassadors and peacemakers in the world. We need to be a redemptive church, but we need to have redemptive communities. Communities of brothers and sisters who are willing to fight on behalf of other image bearers. This is one of the primary implications of being made in the image of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, once again, that when we have these questions of purpose and identity come up, that we don't have to grasp, we don't have to, we're not made from dust. We don't have to figure out how this whole thing happened. We are created in your image. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So help us understand this and help us believe it. And I pray this 
disbelief would work itself down and we'd be a reflective people enough to allow the truth to sink in and change us. As we move into our time of communion, I pray that the space we provide here, that you would meet us here in our own individual ways as we need to hear the truth and have it applied to our hearts. In your son's name we pray.